20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Okay, welcome back for another episode of Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities. Today, I have a very inspiring guest. His name is Nick Goblish, and he is a change management powerhouse. He transitioned from an HR executive to a passionate entrepreneur. His inspiring journey encourages others to embrace change, discover purpose, and break free from discontented lives. Through extensive professional experience, and more importantly, the story of his own breaking point, Nick equips individuals to discover their best next steps when it comes to creating a stable yet fulfilled life. Welcome, Nick. Thank you for having me, Candice. I am, like I said just a short moment ago, I'm really excited to hang out with you today on your show. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I got to know you a little bit, previous conversation. And I think that people are going to want to really listen to your story because you've done the thing that a lot of people are afraid to do, and that is totally transition to a completely different career path. Yes, completely different. Yes, completely different. So would you be willing to share your story on how that came about? What was it that made you say, that's it, I, I need a change? I would, I would love to, thank you. Um, my story has uh, several chapters, but I spent nearly 20 years as an HR professional working in various industries from retail to real estate to telemarketing to manufacturing. And my job as an HR professional and then eventually as an HR leader was to create and enforce, or not so much enforce, but uh, strengthen and empower an environment and culture where people can succeed. Now, if you're listening to this show and you make a living, you are uh, basically kind of in the world that you're in, sometimes without certain controls. You can make certain decisions in the job that you have, but most likely the environment around you is affected by the decisions of others. Now, I was that individual that made those decisions that affected others, but I also guided and coached executives and peers to make the right decisions or the best for the business as well as the best for the employees. Now, for anyone getting in into an HR career, it's not an easy career uh, to do. I remember getting certified at the time and it it's pretty flashy between recruiting and union relations, but where the rubber meets the road, dealing with people every day is very, very difficult. That's why a lot of people don't choose to deal with people. That's why 
working from home is so I'm sure that is a a benefit of working from home. Me as an HR professional, I couldn't imagine not being in an office. I really enjoyed seeing people and understanding people. And that's what amazed me as an HR professional. So being probably close, I was approaching my 30s, like into my 40s, uh, reaching midlife. And I noticed I kept going through this cycle with my job. Every organization that I worked with hired me to help them go through a transition or, in essence, affect change in their culture. They were getting a new CEO. They were going through an acquisition. They were going through a downsizing. And one thing I got really good at, Candice, as was dealing with people that no one else wanted to deal with. I always thought that like job security was do the job that no one wants to do, and they'll pay you for it. So suddenly, I became very good at dealing with people in situations that no one wanted to deal with, whether it was disciplinary actions or performance reviews that were delivering news that was unpopular or just telling a large amount of people at one time that I'm sorry to tell you this, but based on business decisions, your jobs are all going away. Now, at first, I denied the fact that that was even something I wanted to put on my resume. But after talking to mentors, they would tell me that that's probably something you want to put on your resume because a lot of people don't know how to do that. And it became something that people knew about me. People in my network knew that probably the last eight years of my career, I didn't have to really interview. I mean, I didn't have to search for a job. I was actually sought out and hired. But I noticed as I was going through this cycle with every company, I was paid handsomely for the work that I was doing. I was given a lot of responsibility. All my peers were usually older than me. So I I always looked at that as a success because I was able to accelerate with hard work versus just simply being in a position for a long uh, period of time. And Every time I went to a company, I'd help them through this transition, always through like the negative stuff, but I was never able to help them deal with the, the personal challenges that they had to deal with to help them deal with change when it happened again. It was always firefighting. It was always, oh my God, we got to do this. Let's, and I always kept my cool and had, and did things effectively and legally and it was weird watching everybody and how they responded and reacted when I was just cool, calm, and collected. And it was an absolute muscle because I started dealing with difficult situations and downsizing and all that type of change back in 2008. And I did it for 10 years. I mean, really, once the recession hit, it became a norm and companies needed to be nimble and stay on their feet and have to make decisions in a split second in order to show their shareholders for publicly owned companies that their stock price was worth what it was. And they had to report back to the market. And as I kept going through this, there were things popping in my brain, Candace, that were saying to me, um, Nick, I know you have core values and you try to express those core values after you deal with all the mud and you sweep away all the dirt and deal with all the, the, the difficult stuff. This world, I don't think they really care about the other stuff. I say that not to stereotype corporate, the corporate world, but having an organization where you have a, a senior leadership team and a CEO that walks the walk and talks the talk, and as a strong partnership with HR to understand that 
even though we have to make difficult decisions, we'll always ensure we help our employees because they're part of our team. There's not a lot of companies out there that do that. And when they do do that, that's why you hear that. That's why if you're familiar with Zappos, they, I don't know, I think they're still around. They did shoes online. I mean, the CEO sat with the employees. They were very vocal about their culture. It's risky because some organizations that do that, ironically, what we were just talking about previously, they don't have that edge to compete, sometimes being the nice and beneficial employer, most importantly to their employees, can be risky because they're not putting their shareholders first. And sometimes it's just just the way the world works. But I, it sounds like a stereotype, and there are, but it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot more to do to do things to show benefit than to show pain. And that's really sometimes how change happens. It's, I mean, you know this as an individual human being, if something benefits you, you might try it out. But if something's going to create you pain, you definitely will create some type of change in your life. So prior to 2018, I was podcasting. Uh, I had this midlife podcast and it was fun because I was able to build relationships outside of work that I couldn't do at work because I kind of convinced myself I couldn't make friends at work. And I started engaging a lot of entrepreneurs in the podcast space. Just like you and I are both entrepreneurs. We both podcast. It's it's kind of like a thing. It's an extension of our brand. It's a great way to get our word out. It's a lot less expensive than normal stereotypical marketing out there. And you get to know who we are, not only what we do, but who we are. And it started in getting me to think possibly differently. Like, can I do this? My best friend who we both worked in a corporation, he had left and started his own business. I helped him out do a lot of his own video and radio marketing before I started podcasting. And he would kind of plant seeds like, Nick, I think you can possibly do something else. But deep down inside, what I was scared of, Candace, is I was so good at this and I was paid well for this. Why would I stop doing it? Like, why, do you, why would you do that? And I really put a lot of pressure on myself as the provider, a provider in my, in my family, that I have to earn a living, work as hard as I possibly can, make the most money I, I can to give my family what they need. I didn't know this at the time, but in parentheses, even if it cost the time I spend with them and how present I am when I'm with them on the weekends. I was at the positions I was in, it was very difficult to not think about work, or at least I didn't have the skills yet to be present. Thought about work the moment Friday ended and thought about it all weekend until I went back on Monday. I was never really present with my family. So Suddenly, this this thing pops up. My in-laws decide to spend their inheritance and treat the entire family to an Alaskan cruise in 2018, actually four years ago uh, this year. And I'd never been on a cruise before, but if you're, you or your audience has ever been on a cruise, I mean, it's pretty awesome because they take care of you. They, they, they service you in every way, shape, or form. You don't have to worry about anything. So not only was I getting all my needs met that I would normally have to do things in the house, cook myself and all that stuff. Suddenly and miraculously, my phone didn't have service. So I had a natural excuse not to answer my phone when the CEO called or someone at work called. I didn't know there were issues at work and I kind of saw them when they came in, but I had no excuse but to be present. And I remember it was a moment I was on the deck of the boat drinking hot chocolate with my son and my sister-in-law took a photograph of the two of us. And my son at the time was 10 and he was just talking to me. You can see he's looking out, he's got his hat on, his Alaskan hat. 
and I'm sitting there on an elbow on a railing and she caught this moment of me listening to my son. And it was this like thing that said, wow, this, this can happen. Like this is real. And I, every time I looked at it, I kept feeling this thing. Like, why am I not present with my family? Like, why am I not present? And as the vacation went on, I read this amazing book called the subtle art of not giving an F by Mark Manson. And it, it changed my life to tell me what, how many F's do you give? And you get to choose, you get to choose what they are. So suddenly I read this book and I suddenly say to myself on the third day of this cruise, I don't want to do what I do for a living anymore. And I'll tell you, it was the most, it was the heaviest decision I ever made and didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell anyone because suddenly when I said it out loud, I thought of it again, talking to entrepreneurs and talking to my best friend that could I do something else? I mean, I'm young. I could, I could do something else or I'm midlife. But the moment I did that, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. I mean, it, it, it led to a heavy thoughts and fear of what's my wife going to think if I decide to do something different and our lifestyle changes and what's my peer group, these people that look at me and I, that I identify with as an HR professional, they're going to look at me and think, what's wrong with you? Um, why would you give up something that you've worked so hard to build? Uh, I went through bouts of, of apathy, like why I don't care that I, you know, how come I don't care? I don't care. And then which led to, because I didn't share it with anyone and didn't know how to process it, months of depression, like that was very, very hard uh, a year, four years ago. Actually, I remember Halloween being at someone's house, Candace, and they asked me, how are you doing? And I just, it's a close friend of mine, and I just broke down crying in the dining room of someone's house. Uh, everybody opened their homes on this block we were at, and, and I'll never forget that because I felt so helpless. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't have any guide. I didn't have, and I was so afraid to ask for help because I thought, why? You should know better than this. So in the process of doing that, I started reaching out to people outside of my normal circles who were connected with me emotionally that could offer me sound advice without judgment. And I started surrounding myself with those people, CEOs I've worked with, my best friend who actually went through the same thing four, three years before, and a, a friend who wrote a book about depression, ironically, another podcaster who wrote a book about de depression, his name's Anthony Hayes. Uh, it was a lot of help. And plus, while I was producing a podcast at the time, I used it as an outlet to share my thoughts. And as I went through that process, I, I realized once you make a decision to change something in your life, one, you have to take responsibility no matter what happens. But you have to trust yourself that you've made many decisions in your life and got this far. Why can't you, why can't you believe you can do that again? Like I think people sometimes don't change the path that they're on because they have to start over and relive all the difficult stuff they had to do when they started. But I tell people when they go through careers or they're thinking and they reach out to me and they're thinking about changing, I really reassure them and say, listen, you worked so hard, but started at day one on the job that you have. Why not be confident enough that you can do it again? You have the skills, like you're smarter now than you were back then. And once I started going through that process in my head and rewiring myself, I started understanding that I can do some, I don't have to go back to this. I mean, my mind was made up. I just, the way the former career made me feel and what was attached to that, it was really about attachments. I just had to let that go. And at the time, once I left that, I had enough people supporting me that I got some consulting jobs. I, I was I was a high paid employee and executive at the time. So we uh, eventually um, my work suffered at work. I became 
just just to disenfranchise at work. But even prior to Mike Cruz, my uh, I don't think the organization was. I don't think I was right for the organization. I was going through that same cycle again of, okay, I've dealt with all of the stuff you don't want to deal with. And now I want to do positive things, but it's really not a priority. And I had a, a confidant, a CFO, who's a friend of mine still to this day, great guy that hired me and then he fired me. Uh, so I was laid off at right before Christmas in 2018. And one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me, it was amicable and it was great. And I was able to celebrate Christmas with my family and not have to worry about going to work. Um, I was podcast producing, so I was doing a little bit of that on the side. A lot of people I talk to when they decide to change careers, some don't know what they want to do, but they've communicated with their spouse or or have come to an agreement that that's what they're going to do and they're going to figure it out. Some have passion projects they want to pursue. Some want to do things smaller, maybe less responsibility, which I tried to do, but it's just such a stereotype that if you walk in and you're at this level in a profession and you want to do something less for less money, which is great because that employer, if you are an employer, just know that you get all that knowledge for half the price. Like, I mean, that's crazy, but it's just not a reality in the world. There's too many egos that, that drive the stereotype that if you hire someone better than you, they're going to chase and take your job, which I don't, I don't, I don't think, I wish that would break. I wish we would utilize more people. Because as people get older and they don't need that responsibility or that income, they can downsize, downsize a job basically. Um, so they can do that or um, they, they want to take some time off. They want to take some time off and they want to kind of figure things out before they jump back in. Well, me, I could not, I couldn't stop working. So between friends giving me consulting work, unemployment, all these ways of generating income, I was kind of thinking about what's that entrepreneur route going to look like? I'm into media. I've helped a lot of people. I did some podcasts, actually podcasts that still exist on the internet today that I produced from square one. And it was fun because I was, I went to college for that. It was the first time I was actually using my degree. Uh, my minor, my minor was in radio and video. And I loved it. It was so much fun being able to take someone's ideas and make it a reality. And plus seeing it, like seeing the fruits of your labors. There was a lot of work I did as an HR professional that I didn't see. I didn't see the good things. I only saw the bad things or the things that would be considered difficult and challenging and not and uneasy. So I was at a networking event, Candace, and slinging business cards to produce podcasts for business owners. And I was just in the midst of this conversation and a guy said to me, uh, this gentleman named Gordon, he said, uh, he was talking to another guy about construction and he said, yeah, I just bought a house in, in my town and it's really hard to find a good painter. Now he didn't know this and I hadn't thought of this, but I've been painting since I was 14. I, my first painting job was for, for my, with my Spanish teacher who took me, was kind of a father figure, took me under his wing and had me paint his garage with him. It was an amazing experience because of, I didn't really have a father figure growing up and he saw an opportunity and worked with me and it was great. And I just loved it, did it in college for a company and loved, loved the idea of, of using my hands and seeing my work. So without hesitation and knowing that if there's any reason to tell my wife who was very upset with me that one, I didn't communicate. I wasn't properly on that. I didn't want to go back to my old career, uh, that I had work and I could have income. I just immediately blurted out to him, I'll paint your house. I had never painted a whole house before <laughs> ever, never, ever, ever. I painted bathrooms, nurseries, a lot of nurseries. 
And I never got paid for it. I always would say, just feed me lunch and I'll be fine. And they were family friends and friends of family. And it was fun. I enjoyed it. I only knew what I knew in, in college. So there was a lot of the profession I didn't know. So first and foremost, I underbid the job. I think when he gave me the deposit, he even discounted it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, never ha- that, that never happened again after that. And as I dive in and took on this 2,600 square foot house on my own, with all my experience with marketing podcasts and understanding content and understanding that I had a presence online, I just decided over a weekend, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a professional painter. Spent a whole day designing logos, making sure my name didn't exist on the internet. And uh, I published it on Facebook and said, this is who I am. Just the unfortunate thing is my wife had no idea. That's the first place she, she saw it. And I learned a lot about communication with change, which is a lot what I, what I, what I teach others. And ironically, four years later, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to do after I paint, and which is how our paths crossed, now becoming a kind of continuing the experience I had as public speaking as a corporate executive, uh, and now working with individuals and organizations on change. When I met with my agent, Antonia, who you know as well, uh, I had a strategy call with her, a two-hour call that was great to talk about what I'm what I think I'm capable of doing. And another person who understands that she recorded that two hour call. I put it on my wife's phone. I said, listen, honey, I need you to listen to this. It's not a rush. doesn't have to happen today. I know we're looking 10 years. I'm, I'm not done painting yet, but I need you to listen to this. And I need you to tell me if this is something you think we could do because it required an investment. It required a lot of time. And my wife listened to it and which I didn't think she would do. <laughs> and she, and she came to me and she said, let's do it. Let's go for it. And it's been an amazing experience of knowing I never thought change, all the change that I would help organizations do, would those skills and those experiences would then help me changing, making a pivot in my life that not only did the outside world think I was crazy, but deep down the inner voice in my head kept trying to remind me and try to keep me safe because that's what it's supposed to do to tell me I'm crazy and doubt myself and, and everything to then now working with individuals to pay it forward and help them understand that change is absolutely scary. It's hard. It's not easy. Uh, That's why people don't do it all the time. Uh, Any change is unsafe. And that's why we get comfortable. The word comfort is what we do. I do a lot of work and, and actually a close entrepreneur friend of mine just relinquished to me yesterday that she's deciding to close her business and start something new. And, uh, I flat out told her, well, give yourself permission to be uncomfortable. It's, you know, it's going to be very uncomfortable. And mind you, we, she was uncomfortable and it was great to, to be able to pay it, pay it forward and pass on some of the knowledge I had about being in that same situation. So I, I'm fascinated how people get through change. I'm fascinated to see how people overcome their fears. I'm fascinated to be able to look at my previous journals and see what I've accomplished. And by putting together this framework I've designed called the buckets of change, it's, given me an opportunity to be able to share a step-by-step process, a framework to follow, filling all the gaps and providing some level of safety of not only becoming a better person outside as you experience change, change you choose or change that happens to you when you're thrusted into a new situation, 
but also how you change inside because I'm a different person inside than I was back then. You can keep going. You could be someone that keeps going to job, to job, to job, to job and wondering why doesn't it ever work out, which I started to be that person, Candace. But I realized a lot of it had to do with me. What was I seeking? What was my ego really telling me? And one thing I'm, I've been talking about with others is that, that fear of disappointing others. You know, why is it so important that I need validation? And do I need to keep doing this? All these litany of things that I even talk about on my podcast that it's so exciting to be able to, to be able to say, here's what you can do. I'm and so excited for you. I and, can't, yeah. like this story just like blows my mind, right? So that, I mean, and what a defining moment. Like I'm at, when you were sharing about that picture of you and your son on the yeah, it's on Facebook. Yeah. I, I was just like, like I, I felt that. Yeah. You sharing that, that that's like a huge thing. And I think that part alone, I mean, there, there's a lot of things we hear, you know, for us to unpack and talk about, but that is a defining moment. And I think sometimes people skip over those things in their life. You know, they just, you know, kind of just go through the motions and then, you know, maybe they have something hit, hit them like this kind of hit you. Mm -hmm. um, but I think most of the time it doesn't. And I actually find that like, that's a, that was a blessing. Yeah. You know? I got to give it a, my, my sister-in-law is, I, I'd say during holidays is, a, is a, is wild with taking photos. Everything's a Kodak moment, but if she hadn't taken that photo, I would have figured it out somehow, but that kind of was this, the universe basically saying, here's a gift of what could be and what you know could be. Because what I didn't say, Candace, is I know people say family comes first, but I could tell you prior to 2018, that wasn't what I believed. I love my family. Don't get me wrong, mm -hmm. but my job came first because I, I, in my head, I created and I had such a belief that without this, I can't provide. And I have to keep going no matter what people say. Even if my wife's upset with me that I didn't come home in time to have dinner, in my head, I'm thinking that's a price I pay to ensure that we we can do this, this, and this. And I think I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong. And we don't want to self-judge, but that was one of those things I had to deal with one or two years into my career as a as a house painter now thinking that I can admit that, that was that's how I thought. People at work would say that to me, Candace. You know, I'd... I kind of be whining, oh, I got to leave early because I have to go, but because I was so, I was so interested in what their perception was of me. Didn't want to be looked at as a slacker. So I said, you know, I have to leave early to do this because I've worked at companies that on summer Fridays, even though everyone was allowed to leave at three o'clock, Candace, the COO went out there to figure out whose cars were still here. So, you know, a corporate conditioning is a real thing. And I would say that to them. And then they, there was the smart ones, the smart people that, would say, well, family comes first. That's a good thing. You have to do that. And I would always tilt my head like, I guess, but I really, you know, I need to make sure I, I grind it out here. And that person four years ago or five years ago is a, that, that Nick who was di digesting that through depression and, and heavy thoughts and anxiety from the moment he woke up to the time he went to bed and, and being riddled with fear. Uh, he believed that somehow until he didn't. And that was what that photograph did when I was able to look back and say, that's cool. I can, you know, you can be present. You can be present because if you're not present now, this time could go away in a blink of an eye and I'd rather be here than somewhere else. So what about the first time you 
did not have the Sunday scaries. Oh my God. No, you know what it came? That's awesome. Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, that's such a good question. I've asked that before my buddy and I, but I've never said it like that. Um, I believe that there are a lot of people in this world that kind of go through the motions in their careers. They, they sleepwalk. They just go through the motions and constantly looking for Friday. Like, can't wait till Friday gets here. That's when I do something. That's when I have fun. Or when I go to, on vacation. That's when I spend one week of being happy, and then I go back to being miserable. And when you do something you love to do, which I'm very lucky, now, loving what you do and being interested in what you do could be perceived as two different things. Painting is a passion of mine. Like, I will do whatever it takes. I will disappear in my thoughts when I start painting. And I'm telling you, no matter how hard the work is, how hot it is outside, how difficult it is, how messy it is, never complain about how hard my job gets. When things don't go well, when I dump a can of paint on the floor and I have to figure out how I can get as much of that paint back in the can without having it, having specks of dirt in it. When you do that, time kind of disappears and you kind of find this thing called flow. I'm sure you've heard of it too. Uh, but you become more self-aware of that. And when I started painting and doing what I do, I still needed to be a business person and run a business and learn and, and meet customers' expectations and accelerate a customer service and do what I need to do as a house painter and build my business to gain notoriety and, and word of mouth and so on. I never look at it like it's going to get, it, it, this all stinks, but it's going to get easier when the week's over. And when I found myself not caring at all, giving an F of that it's Friday, that was when I realized that I, a weekend is a weekend. It's just another day. The only difference between a Monday and a Sunday is my family's home on Sunday. It's the only difference. That's it. In the summer, it's great because they're home. My wife's a teacher, Megan. They're home all, all day. So I get to go out and come back home and see them. I have tons of flexibility. It's awesome. But when I was able to do that, probably it happened spring of, even before I started painting, like spring of uh, 2019, I thought this could be a real thing. Like this is an absolute real thing. And, and then your mind plays tricks on you, Candace. Should I be nervous? Should, is that, am I, because I don't, I don't have anxiety. Should I be anxious? Like that, because, and that's crazy. Am I, uh oh, am I, am I leaving myself, um, uh, open to something that bad that can happen to me? And, to your point right there, you asked me when was the first time. It may take numerous times to start believing that that's not a thing, that that's not necessary. And there are a lot of corporate people or people that work like a nine to five or a job that is demanding that they dread Sunday nights. They they can't enjoy anything because they ha they they know they have to go back to work on Monday. And it's I empathize with those people completely because I know exactly how that is. I felt that way on. Saturday morning <laughs> rather than just Sunday. Because you're uh, always thinking about it. You, your brain never turned off. Nope. I got to prepare. I got to be ready for that one o'clock meeting when the CEO goes around the table and starts holding everyone accountable. I don't want to be the person that takes all the, all the heat in that meeting because I didn't know something that I didn't know I needed to know. Um, and I'm sure most, a majority of your listeners know exactly how that feels. And there is a way to get past it. It just takes a lot, it just takes a lot of work yeah. and decision. Even for myself, as a dental yes. hygienist, when I was a dental hygienist, mm -hmm. it's not like I brought my work home 
no. so to speak. Like, you know, I didn't have a briefcase. I wasn't ha- having to do paperwork or computer work or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I still would experience yeah. the Sunday scaries be, and be worried about Monday on Sunday. And it's not a fun feeling. So I'm yeah. sure that there are lots of people that definitely experienced it or still experience it. Mm. But I love that, you know, your story is is a great example of how you can make these big changes and come out a much happier person on the other side. And there's no magic pill, Candace. I think when you hear people, I, I keep... There are folks out there that convey that it's simple. To be happy is simple. I think happy is a choice. I was on a, a podcast recently, and one of the things we talked about is, and the host had shared this with me, that happiness are the moments between all the suffering in life. And life is difficult. That is why in the reality, people choose they don't want to live anymore. I know it's a somber thing to say, but I, when I was depressed, I never thought about suicide, but I can understand I was, I just wanted to leave. Like I wanted to get in my car and and drive and leave. I think if if I drive away, I don't have to deal with anything anymore because you're, you're, you're that lizard part of your brain is trying to come up with every way to save you, every way to save you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, trying to find some safety in all that is, uh, it's a conscious choice to do because you have to accept the fact that in order to pursue happiness is work. It's that's why people aren't successful all the time. And if people tell you that, and and don't, I know in the day and age of influencers and especially building a podcast over the last 10 years or a podcast career in the last 10 years and being content online of these guarantees, you can be, you know, make all this money. My kids kind of were growing up at the time when you had these influencers that had these big houses, these big mansions and all this thing. And this idea that any kid, if he gets enough followers can make a million bucks. Um, there's a price you pay for that. There was a price I paid because of the money I made as an executive and as an HR leader. And there's a price I pay now for being happy. But I tell you this, I'd rather work to be happy than work in an environment where I'm unhappy and anxious. I'm sure you, if listeners, you you have someone that maybe vents to you on a weekend when you're you've gotten through the week and you're having a few cocktails and they tell you about their work, and all you want to say to them is, "Why don't you just find another job?" But yet, they they that choice is not in their head right now. It requires work to do that to change something, but they'd rather vent to you about what they don't like about it or a relationship, someone that's with a a spouse or a girlfriend, boyfriend that that they talk that way. You're always, you never want to be that person that's like, well, why don't you just leave, you know? And once I started, when I gave myself permission and said on that boat, Nick, why don't you just pick another career? You can, you can crush it until I believe that because it took me a, a few months to believe that. Once I did that, I knew that no matter how many times I changed my career in the next, I mean, I, I don't care. I'll work in my seventies. I like, I, I think it's awesome. I'm not, I'm not going to stop working. Unless my body, unless something tells me to, or my wife tells me to, obviously, the the idea that I have that I have skills now that can be repeated, but I know in my head that it's hard, and I I know I can survive that. Knowing you can survive one change allows you to understand that you can survive another change. You went through a life change. I went through a life change. We're much 
less apprehensive. Doesn't mean we're not apprehensive. We're just less apprehensive. And like a muscle, you the more you do it and the more you accept change in your life and what you do, the easier it gets. And change is an absolute constant, whether or not you want to or not. You can sit in a house, do nothing, but I guarantee you change will affect you in some way, shape, or form. Right. You said about, I like wrote this down, mm. give myself permission. Yes. I think that is the key. It's making that decision and then allowing yourself to move in or out of whatever that situation is, you know, whether mm -hmm. you're leaving something you're unhappy with mm -hmm. towards something to pursue mm -hmm. or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know, but <laughs> I think you hit the, I think you hit the nail on the head with giving permission. And I think we seek it outside of ourselves most yep. of the time. So yeah. Yeah, we're raised, Candace, where people were told what we can and cannot do. So my wife, my, I'm, I'm just going to say one thing about the permission thing, which is interesting because I've become more aware of it and why permission is 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 a big part of my buckets of change. It's basically my first bucket. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten through this process and I've learned how to communicate with my wife, she shared a lot more with me. And I realized that as my wife grew up, she was kind of in an environment where uh, safety was very, very important. and she was guided by her parents on these are the safe decisions to make. And these are the, these aren't the safe decisions to make. But in essence, she was told this is what you can do. And this is what you can't do. When I was raised, I was raised by a single parent. who was really never home and no one ever told me what to do. I had to create my own disciplines in that process. I didn't, I was never, a I didn't have anything to rebel from. So I didn't rebel. I created like, you know, that's hence why it kind of hurt me later on my career of creating these rules and beliefs but I was able to try anything. My friends used to tease me. I had this thing called the hobby corner, Candace, where everything I tried ended up in this corner. Surfboards, weights, hockey sticks, lacrosse sticks, golf clubs. My friends were like, oh, it's the hobby corner. What's Nick going to try next? And it just excites me to do that. Uh, but I've learned that I didn't have to work so hard. Giving myself permission, not so much to change, but giving myself permission to be uncomfortable, giving myself permission to disappoint others but still love them, giving myself permission to cry, giving myself permission to stop self-judging uh, and not judging others. It's it's a, when we allow ourselves, I used to think it was a decision. Like originally I was thinking maybe it's just deciding to change. But I think once we give ourselves self-permission, it's amazing. Like I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to feel good about myself. I'm allowed to be proud of myself today. And just by doing that can change someone's mindset like over and over and over again, which allows you to take better action. Like the next, once you start putting your feet one step in front of the other, like me allowing myself to be like, I'm going to give myself permission to say goodbye to a career that I built from scratch. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was an art major, Candace, <laughs> and I stumbled into an HR career that was awesome. I mean, was, I always tell my son, my son's like, dad, do you miss corporate? And I said, well, Nate, when you fly in a, you know, you fly in a private jet to three different meetings in one day in three different states, eh, you kind of done it all. Like I, he was like, really? I'm like, yeah, dude, I had to, I had to do that. And, and it was constant work. We we're working on the plane working on these meetings. And once you do it, it's, it's like, okay, that's fine. But in my head, I was like, Ooh, that's success. That's happiness right there. Man, I really. Right. So what would you give as a piece of advice to somebody who 
Now, maybe you don't have an answer for this. I don't know. But Mm -hmm. is there a piece of advice you would give somebody on how they could give themselves permission? I have a lot of conversations with people that tell me in their careers that they feel they use the word stuck. Like I'm stuck. I can't. I can't do it. And then you hear all these stories of people that do it. So then you say, well, what's the difference? Well, one chose to do it and gave themselves permission to do it. And the other one didn't. And I was having a conversation with someone. My wife's a teacher. So there's a lot of folks that join that career for its stability. My wife did the same thing. But in order to reap the benefits of that, you have to, you have to do your time. You know, you lose a lot if you leave that career. It's not a lot of negotiating even in a, in a school system because a lot of the salaries are dictated by union contracts and things like that. But you can go to school, you can get a master's degree, PhD, you can move up in administration and make more money, but it's not like the, the private sector. And one of her fellow teachers, we were having a conversation and she said, well, I'm kind of here in this and, and I feel stuck. And I said, you know, well, I was listening and hearing the situation. And she said to me, uh, when she said that to me, I said, it. What I'm hearing you saying is kind of like someone you're in a jail cell and the key's in the lock and the door's open, but you're not leaving the cell. <laughs> like you're not leaving the cell. Because we get comfortable doing something and ignoring all the discomfort that got us there, we completely forget that. And I said this before, that we have to be uncomfortable again in order to find that comfort. So in changing a career midlife and this, and as I've gone and done this and I've heard people like you respond to my story, I didn't, I didn't know that. Like I just did something different. You know, it's not like I was thinking when I did that someday I'll be able to look at my own story and be so motivated by it. I was motivated by other people and peers and things, but I just did it. I, I, it was hard and it was very, very difficult. It was, it was a different type of discomfort that I've ever experienced. And it, it being your own boss is difficult and knowing that every, everything that happens to, for you to provide for your family, nothing happens unless you do something. If you do nothing, nothing happens. You can make mistakes and you have to, you're the only one who's responsible for those mistakes. But like that individual that I was talking to that's stuck in that cell, she may struggle or may not be ready or may not be able to give herself permission to say, you know what, I'm going to step out of that cell. And now I'm very, very uncomfortable, but I trust that if I do the, I keep mentioning my buckets of change because it's like this thing I wish I could take and just go, here you go back to Nick and say, here, just follow this. This is going to happen like this. Yes. How you're feeling right now. Yes. That's, that's important. Embrace it. Like that's supposed to happen to you. Don't ignore it. Don't think you're the, you're the victim. You're the only one who feels this way. It's just your normal body, mind, and soul trying to tell you that everything you're doing is unsafe. But in this day and age, Candace, and I'll end this thought on this, we're not living in caves anymore. So that part of our brain that's trying to protect us doesn't need to do that anymore. But we, we're still evolving human beings. We can't stop that. Like, we can't stop that. But understanding and becoming more self-aware is so interesting because you're, you know, you're more concerned about what triggers your anxiety than what actually happened. You don't fret the issue. You go, okay, all right, where did that come from? Is that detrimental to the path I'm on right now? And do I have the right tools and can I do the right thing to mitigate that? And then once you do it, you surprise yourself and say, great, bring it on. Bring on something else. But I'll tell you, it did not happen overnight. 
that will not happen overnight with anyone. That's why when I work with with individuals going through the type of transition, it's a process. It's a long, it's, it's a, as long as it needs to be, but it's not a one and done. Hey, there you go. And if I engage someone who feels like they need a career transition or change and have already made up their mind and they're going to do it, I praise them. I do a, I have a, an assessment, uh, at buckets of change.com slash signs that you can go to and it will actually ask you specific questions in your career if change is either possibly necessary or absolutely necessary. But some individuals, they take it and their answers are, they don't feel any of those things. And I simply respond by saying, that's, a, that's awesome. That's great. Enjoy it. Ride the lightning. Ride the lightning. If you change your mind, I'm here to help. But ride the lightning. And I think that's amazing. And that should be celebrated too. I love that. I love hearing people that, that, that just kind of do it and figure it out and ask them questions like, where did you get stuck and this? And even with them, it's not always the easiest thing. But when I choose to be uncomfortable, just like they choose to be uncomfortable, you kind of share not more of a kind of misery breeds company kind of communication. You go, oh, you dealt with that? Well, this is how I dealt with that. That's cool. Or are you dealing with this right now? And then suddenly we just start sharing stories. I mean, you and I, in our pre-interview, we kind of connected on that aspect too. And, and I can't wait to have you on my show where I can pick your brain all about that as well. Thanks. Okay. So bucketsofchange.com is the website, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. If, if people want to take this um, assessment, it's bucketsofchange.com. Slash sign. Si- yeah, slash signs. Yep. Okay. And then the podcast, Buckets of Change, right? Yeah, bucketsofchange.com slash show. Or you can look on whatever podcast player you listen to, your where you found this podcast. Uh, it's just called the Buckets of Change podcast. And all of your links will definitely be in the show notes. Correct. So that people can connect with you mm-hmm. and they want to take the assessment. And the assessment sounds very cool. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun to to, it's all the things it asks all the questions that I didn't want to ask myself uh, in 2018. It was like all those things where someone else was could ask me those things or look at me like, why aren't you, what are you doing? Like, well, you hate this, this doesn't work out and this and this, you feel this way. You got the Sunday scaries, all these things. Why aren't you doing something different? I mean, my wife, there was a moment, Candace, if I could share that I had no idea this happened, but in the midst of 2018, I was sobbing on my porch and my wife came out to me. This is before I, you know, I told her, she just knew I was unhappy and it was tough during that bout of depression. I didn't really share with the family how I felt. They just saw me. I went from being one person to someone totally different. And my wife reminded me, she put her arm around me and she said, Nick, why don't you just quit your job? And she said, I looked at her and went, I can't, I can't quit my job. Because in my head, I thought I'd be a quitter. I thought I'd be, why can't I overcome this? I teach all these people at work on how to deal with confrontation and conflict. And how come I can't do it on my own? What kind of hypocrite am I? Um, but I look at that person and I think, no, oh, they weren't ready. That person wasn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I know Thank that you, you and I are going to have a lot more conversations to come. Yeah, I think, uh, I think it, I, one thing I'm very grateful Gratitude is a big part. I'm very grateful for the fact that I I met you and had the time to spend with you on the pre-interview. Um, I want to learn a lot more about you and understand how change has been part of your life. And I, I'm just getting situated 
on having folks on my my show. I've relaunched my podcast and I would love to have you on my show. And I definitely look forward to working that out with you to hang out a little bit more and get to know a little more about Candace. Thank you so much. I would love that. Kindness looks good on everyone. And that's why the Passion, Purpose and Possibilities podcast has partnered with The Kindness Cause, a creatively curated online shopping experience of fashion-forward gifts that donate to nonprofit organizations to help you shop with purpose and donate in style. Together, our mission is to spread kindness, give back, and empower individuals to pursue their dreams through our exclusive line of inspirational merchandise that not only uplifts your spirits, but also gives back to those in need. Every purchase donates to a charitable nonprofit organization. To see this exclusive line, make a purchase and support a cause, head over to the show notes for the direct link. You know, I got to ask you the three P question. Okay, let's go. Okay. What is something you're passionate about that people might not know about you? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when if I was to ever say passion with all my content, if I asked, if I just put that on social media, people would say, oh, you're passionate of painting. You know, I'm really passionate about, I love understanding uh, how the video game industry works. I, I've been a gamer for like, uh, since I was a kid, my father had this old Radio Shack, used to sell these Tandy computers. It was like, I don't know if it was IBM equivalent, but we played video games on tapes, like cassettes. You actually put in a tape deck, baseball, s- submarines. And when I wasn't playing video games at home, we didn't have a, a lot of money growing up. So I would go to friends' houses and they had consoles. So I've always been on the, the end of a, a video game controller. But when podcasts started launching, I started listening to a lot of video games. I love the industry. I love touching something and seeing how it it gets to where I am. I love knowing, like, that's exciting to me. I don't care about any other market. Like, I just, you know, I've, I've, you know, people can watch, like, stock quotes and, and marketing or market reports on CNN or C-SPAN or whatever you can see them on. I don't really know where you find those things. But learning why games are made, designers, artists, producers, directors, creative teams, awards, why this game made money, why this game didn't make money, why this game's broken, why this game works, why am I so addicted to this game and not this game? That's That fascinates me. I always end my day on my phone, in bed, looking at a website that shows me all that stuff. And it's so silly, but I'm like, I'm so, I love, if I can, I rarely get to talk about video games with people, but well, if someone wanted to tune. Well, my son, my younger son, I mean, he's 28, <laughs> he's, not, he's not a baby, you sure. know, or a teenager, but he loves video games and mm-hmm. he probably would love to have that. Comment. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, it's just peeling back the curtain. I, I just loving, just like I said, I love what makes people tick about change. The video game industry is something I'm just fascinated with. Very cool. So what is your definition of purpose? Loss was a big part of my life growing up. My, I have a twin sister. When we turned six, my mother uh, was ill. It was right around Christmas. And uh, on January 4th, 1982, my mother passed from an aneurysm. And 
I don't know how technology was back then. Now they can spot it a mile away. But those in 1982, they didn't quite have that technology. But my mother had passed. She was 38. And then four months later, after moving in with my grandmother, uh, my grandfather passed away. So suddenly my grandmother, she's 65 years old. She's taking care of two, two twins because my father wasn't capable of raising us. Uh, and she lost her daughter and her, her uh, husband. And as we grew up, we always heard about people that weren't here anymore, stories and things that they did. And suddenly our memories of people are not experiences, but what stories people tell. And as I got older and I started experiencing things, I started enjoying telling stories. And I felt when you tell a story and people remember that thing, you never really go away. Like you never, you you live longer than, and that's why, you know, historical figures, that's why people want to be famous, I think. But I think legacy, I truly believe legacy is not being forgotten. It might not be like legacy of having your name on a library or creating a, a multi-billion dollar business. I want to be remembered as a legacy that people felt that was a kind person. I was a good leader. I was a humble leader. I showed my kids the right way to do things, but also admitted when I did the wrong things. And when someone realizes what their purpose is, I believe purpose is, is something that provides you who you are, uh, provides you fulfillment and joy that allows you to affect the people around you and be remembered longer than the time we have here. Now, your purpose can change. What you want your legacy to be can change. Your legacy can be, you know, I want to be the, the, the smartest person in my family. So I'm going to, you know, I'm, and that's fine. That's, there's no shallow purpose. It shouldn't be a harmful purpose. But if your purpose is to do that and leave, leave a legacy for him, uh, behind, um, that fulfills that, that need of doing that, that need of legacy. And I be, I'm a big believer too, that our belief system changes depending on, on, our, on whatever purpose we, we choose. Um, and that evolves over and over again. There was one time I could tell you as a corporate professional, Candace, I was like, I'm a white collar employee. You know, I get to go to work. I have a parking spot. Never thought I'd, you know, I'd wear painting pants three days in a row or, you know, or eat my lunch in my van and enjoy being outside when it's 45 degrees outside. Never thought it, but my purpose changed. And now I embrace that. And now I leave an impression on the world with what I do now. And as a speaker, it's something different. As a coach, it's something different. As our interaction right here, as you know, fellow podcasters and me a guest on your show, it's just something different. So that's that's probably what I would say purpose is. I'm I, I'm glad you're recording this. So now I get I to go back. I love this. I love this. And listen, and, what, I, and listen what I said. <laughs> I love when I ask this question and how people answer it. And while a lot of times, and I would say, you know, most often the gist of, of it is very, very similar. I can tell you that your description is completely different and it gives it like a whole new dimension. So yes, you're definitely going to have to listen to the playback. <laughs> that's what's so great. That's so awesome. No, that was good. I, that's a great question. That's an awesome question because some people don't even know how to answer it. But be happy, yeah. happier life, all these things. Uh, but I love the fact like people, that's what makes us so different. What's our, what's our, what's the meaning of why we're here and what do we want the world? How do we want the world to see us? Great. Okay. We got one more question. Yeah. Is there a possibility, a dream or a vision you have that hasn't come to fruition yet? 
I want to be a crane operator. For real? Yeah, I want I want to be a crane operator. I want to be a bartender. Uh, I would love to sit at a bar with a bunch of inebriated people, being able to give them what they ask me for. Obviously, within means, you know, we got to cut some people off if you need to. But be able, I, that's like stereotypical barkeeper. I grew up in bars. My father was an alcoholic. So Sundays, my sister and I just hung out in VFWs while he drank Budweiser. We just hung out and played arcade games, and which is ironic, the whole video game thing. Spent a lot of time spending playing arcades. But that was such a like a, a part of my childhood of seeing how my dad would rap with the guy behind the counter. Like, I'd love to be that guy that like throws the towel over his shoulder. Hey, what can I get you? All right. How's the wife treating you? You know, huh? job OK. You know, that that'd be great. I mean, can you imagine being like a career coach, transition guy, and a bartender at the same time? Oh my God, be great! That, that's, that's me. Kind of interesting. <laughs> That'd be um, awesome. But so, I no, bet but you the, could yeah. find somebody that would let you at least like be a bartender for uh, a shift or something. No, like. it'll happen. It'll happen. I, I, it's just one of those things that, again, knowing that that would require work, I'd have to know drinks and and be different, and just like any job, as many jobs as I've had in my career and helped others on new jobs and all the companies I work for in the at, in the HR capacity. But the, the crane operator I always thought was cool because I know that pays a lot of money to do something pretty neat. Yeah. And my wife and I were just having that conversation the other day. We're like, oh, that'd be so cool to be a crane operator. And again, I know it's just a job, but but it it's it's fun. It's another way to, to leave something behind. Somebody yeah, no, I think I yeah, I think it's so amazing. There's so now that I, you know, painting and and because you're touching your work every day, you start to see all the things that go into why things happen the way they do. You just got to uh Peel the curtain back a bit. Well, Nick, this was a really fun conversation. I mean, we talked about a lot of important and deep things when it comes to, you know, happiness mm-hmm. and giving yourself permission and overcoming. And know. I, yeah, I, and I said, I'm sorry that, that I didn't use that word happy enough, but to find happiness and fulfillment, that's. It's not easy. Well, I, yeah, I think I did see that. It's really not easy to uh, attain that without some effort. Out some, and but when you find it, you don't want to let it go. Like you, it's a it's a very addictive thing. Yeah. Well, for those people listening, go check out Buckets of Change. Check out Nick and what he's up to, and uh, go take his assessment too. I'm gonna go take the assessment. Awesome. I'll get you the link. It's, it's pretty, it's fun. It's such a, it's a, again, it's that, that thing that I wish I was able, I would have made that decision to change careers and not allow it to evolve the way it did. And I would have been much more proactive and communicative if I just had a little bit of help. Well, thank you again. You're welcome, Candace. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passionpurposeandpossibilities.co to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candace Snyder at passion, purpose, and possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.